0: And so, to continue, uh, we have that mention of the Son of Man. And that will be picked up later in the concluding verses. And then, we're looking at this part uh, where it says, Eating my flesh and drinking my blood abides in me and I in him. That's a covenant formula some commentators think. It's an allusion to a text of this kind of dialogue is in the last verses of chapter 2 of the prophet Hosea. Abiding in John is a very powerful word. I think I've done this before. It means, um, you see, to uh, it's a very intense and interior activity, and it's stirred up, suscitated, and sustained. By the Holy Spirit. And it's that by which the Word, alive in us, activates us, and we make our response. Abide. It's a powerful word. Sometimes in English, it sounds like it means sit down and take a rest, you know. But it's exactly a very intense activity. Spiritual, not emotional, uh, but it's intense. Okay. As the living Father sent me and I live by the Father, so the one eating me, that one will live by me. That's the this is the verse I've referred to many times uh, before. And then this section includes, includes This is the bread come down from heaven. Not as the fathers ate and are dead, the one eating this bread will live forever. That is a solemn promise a solemn promise you eat this bread you live forever why? because it really is the transformed flesh of Jesus Christ the Son of God who could have thought of such a way to remain with us sustain us help us and to make his very physical being food for us in this mystical I don't mean imaginary in this way by transforming it into bread and wine Okay. now in a way that's that promise of life forever which rhymes with verses 48 to 50 um, is the last of the promises in a way now John concludes the discourse with uh, reactions of very very different people. He said this in the synagogue, teaching in Capernaum. Many from his disciples hearing this said, This word is hard. Who can listen to it? Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were murmuring about this, Now not just the the Jews, the disciples are murmuring about this. You see? He said to them, is this an offense to you? If then you should see the Son of Man going up where he was before. In other words, a proleptic, an anticipatory description of how this is all going to come about. It's going to come about because when I die and I'm in the tomb for three days, when I rise again, My flesh will be your life, your bread, your, you see. And if you see the Son of Man going back to the Father, spiritually as well as physically, if you see it, then you understand that I can do this. I can give you my flesh to eat and my blood to drink for the whole time of your life. And it's not cannibalism. It's the imitation on our level of what goes on between the Father and me. And that's what he's saying, you see. Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were murmuring, you see, said, if then you should see the Son of Man going up where he was before, now the Spirit it is which gives life. The flesh is worth nothing. Meaning, human resources will never bring this about. You can study, you can do spiritual push-ups, you can do whatever you want. This is a work of the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can make you so divine that you accept the divine Word of God. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And so, you see, the Spirit it is which gives life. The flesh is worth nothing by itself. It doesn't mean His flesh. It just means humanity. Cannot do what has to be done. That's why nobody comes to me unless the Father draw him. And now, that drawing... Is the work of the Holy Spirit. The words which I have spoken to you. They are spirit and life. That's where the life comes from. My self-expression. My speaking to you. Why? Because, Because they come from my depths. And in my depths. The Father is at work. You see. The words that I have spoken to you. Are spirit and life there are some among you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who was going to hand him over. And he said, because of this, knowing this, you see, no one can come to me unless it has been given to him by my Father. I suppose somebody heard that and got frightened. Maybe it's not given to me. Just turn to the Father and say, Please give it to me. And it's yours. It's still a gift from the Father. You want faith? Ask for it. I didn't get it. Well, you only asked once. Knock and it'll be open. The Lord didn't say, Knock twice, and if it's not open, go somewhere else, did He? He said, Knock and it will be open. Ask and it will be given to you. You see? That's why I said to you, no one can come to me unless it has been given to him by the Father. Now from that point, many of his disciples turned back and walked with him no longer. Too much. That must have been sad for Jesus, right? These are people, not among the twelve, though he's going to say in a minute he knows one of them is going to uh, betray him. They just... Too much to take, which means they don't really believe him. That he can talk like this and mean it and bring it about. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you wish to go off? Peter, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know. And that's the rhythm. Believe and you'll know. You see? That you are the Holy One of God. Now that's the confession of Peter in John. It corresponds to you are the Christ, the Son of the Living God, in Matthew 18 and the parallels. But now it's, we have, as he said, we have believed. We've, we, we trust you. We've taken this reality in. We've yielded to it. So now, it's knowledge in us. We have believed and come to know. Now, until heaven, there's always imperfection in that knowledge. But it's knowledge. Faith produces knowledge. It always does. Even on the human level. If somebody starts telling me stuff, you know, I've been to Borneo and I can tell you all about it. I have to believe them before I have access to that knowledge, right? On a much deeper level. This belief, which is the work of the Father in us, we yield to Him. We accept Him. And that brings us knowledge. You see? You are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? He was speaking of Judas son of Simon Iscariot, for he was going to hand him over in the last lines of this chapter, one of the twelve. Tragedy. And so you see, this discourse, which is long, is in a way one of the most intense places in the whole Bible, where the the word of God himself, through his inspired writer, you see, is making these promises to us of eternal life, of knowing the Father, of living forever. You see? And it's all hinges on the Eucharist. This gift, which is a gift beyond anything that we can imagine. So, if we go now and look back over the text, just rapidly, you see, uh, it starts with Passover chapter 6 verse 1 you see uh, Jesus went off to the other side of the sea of Tiberius, or Galilee and a great crowd followed him and so he got up there he sat on the mountain like Moses and then it was the Passover near the Passover the feast of the Jews Jesus saw this crowd he said something to Philip how are we going to feed them all which reflects as I've already said you see uh, that's a text in uh, Numbers 11 uh, where Moses says how am I going to feed all these people see Um, he said this testing him then Andrew says you see there's a boy here he's got five barley loads as I pointed out only John says they're barley loads and two fish but what are these for so many Jesus said have them in recline they go they sit down And then Jesus took the loaves and giving thanks, distributed to those reclining. Same way from the fish. They all ate. Then we come to these mysterious lines. When they were satisfied, he said to his disciples, gather the fragments left over so that nothing be lost. Those are... The allusions are to uh, gathering the people together. Uh, Isaiah forty three, Jeremiah thirty one. Now again this mysterious they gathered twelve baskets from the barley loaves of the fragments, the klasmata. It's amazing how many fathers of the church are in concert to say this klasmata, these fragments, you see, these broken fragments of the bread that Jesus has multiplied, this is the teaching of the church. To be distributed broken bread until the Lord comes back we've seen how bread is wisdom right we see how the flesh of Christ is wisdom and so uh, we move from there they, they wanted to make him king he sent the boat across and then in all these allusions to Psalm 107, 107 Jesus comes to them walking on the water he says I, it is I He steps into the boat, there's calm, and he brings them where they were going. Then the next day starts this discourse. And we've seen it, the two parts of it. Uh, First part uh, Jesus is the bread of life. I'm your life. You feed on me as wisdom and as my flesh. Then the accent changes in verse 51. I am the living bread. Now it's living bread, not just bread of life. And for the first time, we have this fresh uh, phrase, It is my flesh for the life of the world. It's my flesh to be crucified, to be given up for your salvation. And that's what we feed on in the Eucharist. By the power of the act of love in which he died, that laid the foundation for the transforming act of the Father in raising Him from the dead and transforming His body and His blood and making them our food for eternal life. Amen.